gonna be scary. Not for us. All engine running. Liftoff. Start on Thompson. Steps right. Shoots for the win. of three. He got it. He got it. Same my first rodeo. Westbrook to the basket. Turns Schroeder around. Russell Westbrook. House the three and the lead. You betcha. Covington biggest shot of the game and he hits it. The corner. P.J. Tucker. Time to you know, accomplish something together that we haven't accomplished before. We both understand that we have one common goal, and that's to win a championship. So <laughs> let's get it. What's up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Locked On Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every single day. As always, I am your host, Jackson Gatlin. You can find me on Twitter, at JT Gatlin. You can also find our show on Twitter, at Locked on Rockets. And by now, you guys should know the drill. If you enjoy what we do here, please subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, all those different spots. Maybe drop us some stars if you got the time. Write us a review. I would sincerely appreciate it. And above all else, please share the podcast. Share it on your personal social media. Share it with your friends, with your neighbors, with whoever you can. Share the podcast so that we can keep it going strong every single day. Today, we are joined by a guy that I've wanted to get on the show for a long time now, Ali Bijani of The Athletic. How's it going today, man? Great, man. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. I'm happy to finally have you on the pod. I've been wanting to get you on for a while, but I know you you stay pretty busy, huh? Yeah, it's been, it's been a busy season so far. Absolutely. Well, hey, I don't want to waste any of your time. I know you're a busy guy, so we'll just kind of dive straight into this. And the first thing that I want to ask you, man, is, you know, kind of, you are known as, you know, the X's and O's Rockets guy. So I really want to know what prompted you to get into film study and how have you been able to really excel in that niche covering the Houston Rockets? Man, you know, it's funny how it all started. I, for those who don't know my background, I um, started basketball or just like my journey towards journalism back in late 2013. Um, I was a senior in high school. And I just started a Twitter account, which is what my app name is today, Rockets underscore Insider. And I was just, you know, I, was, uh, I just wanted to tweet about the team and uh, I would watch the games and kind of throw out stats I saw that were really interesting and just some observations. Um, and people were like, you know what, you should start writing, man. Like, you know, you have some good thoughts. You should start putting it together, write some things. The first person who actually gave me the opportunity uh, to write was, uh, Locked On Rockets' very first host, uh, Ben DuBose. He had an uh, old pod back in the day, and uh, he let me write for the, for his pod site. And it was just a way for me to kind of get going. And you know, he was very helpful and kind of letting me know what you know what to do, how to approach different things. And from there, I started realizing that I, I you know I enjoyed reading great columns I enjoyed reading great stories about players and backgrounds and all those things but for me growing up I just loved learning about why things are what they are why people do what they do all these different things I was always curious and what it was the same thing with basketball I wanted to know what was going on and I'll remind you I started this in 2013 um what NBA finals happened that summer before uh the Miami yeah there we go and the San Antonio San Antonio Spurs and that's still going to be my all-time favorite final series because I learned so much about the game. Um, just the way Eric Spolster game playing against the Spurs, the way Greg Popovich um, did, for the, uh, did for the Heat. I mean, it was it was phenomenal. Uh, 
I mean, I, I learned so much. I would, I wouldn't listen to the game on TV. I had it with Kevin Calabro and Hubie Brown on ESPN Radio, and I would just listen to Hubie Brown kind of break down the game, and that's kind of where my introduction started, kind of learning the X's and O's and how to think. Um, and then from there, that entire summer, um, I watched YouTube videos, everything from learning basic sets like what is the Princeton offense, um, to learning about what is good form in basketball. How do you shoot well? I watched a lot of different random videos, man, and it just it was something that really helped me understand the game. Um, and it's something I, I, I do today. I mean, I play basketball all my life. I mean, I played in school, played outside of school, all these different things like play basketball. What position so do you play? Played, um, I'm not I'm not gonna be the guy who sets up the offense. I'm gonna be the guy who kinda gets everything going. When I was a kid I won I, I used to refer to myself as the Shane Battier of my team. Okay. Um <laughs> uh, so not not the ball handler. Um but yeah, you know, I, I I just wanted to learn more about how everything worked and that's how it all started honestly. It was just curiosity from that one final series that inspired me to get going and uh, I'm really glad I, you know, stuck with X's and O's because it's been able to open a lot of doors for me um, and really owe a lot to guys like Ben DuBose, my first editor at Dream Shake. Like, a, lot, a, lot of the, a lot of these blogs and sites where a lot of Rocket fans look to, they opened up doors for me and they let me know, hey, man, that's important for you if you want to be successful. You need to find a niche. And for me, my niche was X's and O's and I've really enjoyed doing it so far. That's awesome, man. It's kind of, you know, in a way, it's almost kind of full circle now because now I'm hosting Locked on Rockets. Ben was hosting Locked on Rockets. Ben, you know, gave you a shot. So it's kind of interesting. You know, he gave you a shot. He helped give me a shot. So I think that's pretty cool. Um, Kind of, you know, building on that, you know, you mentioned some of the YouTube videos and all that stuff that you got caught up in that summer specifically. But what are some resources that you would recommend to those who want to learn more about the X's and O's of basketball? You you know, honestly, it's, it's it's all about reading. Um, I used to struggle at finding a way to kind of educate an audience in layman's terms what is going on. Because X's and O's can be kind of confusing if you don't know the terminology. And so it's important if you are a reader or writer or in the media that you learn how to be able to teach and educate your audience and be able to inform them so they are more educated as fans. Um, and that's always been my goal as a writer. Now, if you're interested in kind of learning more about how to do these things, um, if you're listening to this podcast, feel free to shoot me a DM. My DMs are open. I'm more than happy to kind of send some uh, different accounts. You should follow your way, different links, different um, PDFs. Um, I remember one of the first few PDFs I read was D'Antoni Seven Seconds or Less Offense, where I kind of just went through his whole Seven Seconds or Less playbook that's online, which is really interesting. Um, there's a there's a common play I always pick up for the Rockets. It's called Through Hold. It's where like a point guard posts up and there's a little action going on. I learned that phrase from the seven seconds or less PDF that I read so many years ago. So it, it's it's like you have to be able to read, and there's a lot of great accounts to follow. And honestly, it's just about going out there and whatever you see, what you do, being able to watch games. Um, you know, it's okay to sometimes take some time and rewind a game or do different things. Um, it, it doesn't it doesn't happen overnight, um, but there are things that you can slowly do um, just to continue to kind of build your eye and train your eye towards that. Um, and I'm still learning. I, I don't want people to think that, oh, this guy is just like an excellent you know, genius. Like, no, I am absolutely not. I never want to be considered that because I'm just somebody who is in love with the game itself and want to, wants to learn everything I can. And honestly, my favorite part about being 
a journalist and being able to go to games is yes, I get to wa- I get to watch NBA games and cover them. It's amazing, um, but at the same time, it's learning from players, learning from scouts, learning from coaches. Those are some of my best conversations where I can just sit there, ask them a question about what I saw, and have them explain to me from their perspective. Because they're the ones playing this high-level offense. They're the ones that are playing this high-level defense. They know what is going on from their perspective. And it's always just so interesting to kind of see that from their eyes. And it really helps you understand, okay, that's what was actually going on. That's the perspective I should be watching games from. Um, and so you have to gradually build yourself up over time and always be willing to hear other perspectives and you know, add that into the way you look at the game. So I feel like you may have kind of already answered this question, but, you know, knowing so much more, you know, in depth about the game of basketball, do you think that kind of, you know, knowing about the inner workings, the plays, the the advanced terminology, like you mentioned, do you think that, you know, adds to your viewing experience or do you think that maybe in a way takes away from it because you're looking at so many different things, you know, in a way, maybe you're, you're just caught up working instead of enjoying the game of basketball? I, I think for me, watching the game and kind of breaking it down is where, where I have the most fun. Now, that being said, we all watch the game the way we want to watch. We all enjoy the game. We all have an attachment to the game of basketball. Um, that is, you know, pertinent to ourselves. And that is individual to ourselves. And um, for me, it's that. Now, when I was growing up, I used to love watching guys like Chuck Hayes just battle for rebounds and kind of, you know, do those different things. Um, I mean, it's just, it's just we all attach ourselves to certain players, certain styles of play. Um, so I wouldn't say that. Um, but no, I, I, I think when it comes to X's and O's, it really has helped me understand the game more, and I'm able to kind of look at the game differently. And so like, in a good way, that's a lot, that allows me to kind of bring a different perspective um, and commentary. Um, but at the same time, everybody else views the game differently as well. Right? And so that's why it's always important to be able to follow these different perspectives. And, and I think as if you're a Rockets fan, um, you're very lucky that you have this great you know, group of media members who are covering the team. Um, I mean, it's phenomenal I get, you know, getting to work alongside these different individuals, Kelly, Jonathan. I, mean, I can go on, Solomon. I mean, there's so many great people, so many great perspectives um, to learn from. And it's always good. And if you are on Twitter, highly encouraged following a lot of these Rockets writers because they really do provide excellent insight to the team. Absolutely. No arguments there. So right now, again, we are chatting with Ali Kambijani of The Athletic. So we will, coming up, get his thoughts on the new small ball Rockets era, some of maybe his favorite plays that the Rockets run, maybe who their biggest X factor is. And we'll get there in just one second. So don't go anywhere. And we are back in here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball, chatting with Ali Khan Bijani of The Athletic. So, Ali Khan, basically, you know, out of all these Rockets plays that we see run, you know, on a nightly basis, game by game, which one would you deem your personal favorite? Oh, man. Um, I have a lot, I've had a lot of new followers this season, and I haven't really tweeted about it much just because of how teams are defending James Harden. But if you've been following me for a while, um, the easy question for me is 21 series. Um, and if you're one of those people who's a beginner or novice in terminology, um, I hope I can explain it well enough on radio or on podcasts and you guys can um, understand it. And when you watch the game next, you'll be able to see these plays. Um, but essentially, it's when you have a point guard and a shooting guard on the same side of the court and they're involved in, a sa- in the same action. 
and then there's like a wing or a big bear and all three of them are kind of doing a pick and roll or pick and pop or something like that and there's just so many different options there's so many different it's so versatile um because it forces the defense to react um but the rockets have kind of deviated from that a lot this season because if you especially when clint was playing because if you're gonna run pick and roll for james that just makes it so much easier for a team to double team him um that's kind of the biggest reason why they went five out was because now if you go and you spread the floor if you're gonna double team james you know there's a pick and pop guy open for a three you really can't do that anymore there's no clint capella in the dunker spot or by the basket where it's an easy rotation there's no more easy rotations and it's an extra few steps for a perimeter defender to come rotate over from the help side and it just it creates so much uh, miscommunication so many mistakes for your team and um so if you're to answer your question the way the rockets are playing right now yes they're sets and there are a lot of different things they're doing but a lot of it's more so read and react it's a lot about finding the mismatch you have russell westbrook and james harden two of the best isolation players to ever play the game um for the way russ is playing right now with all that space like i think i can make that statement um and when you provide them with that much space to kind of get by their matchup one-on-one, it's really hard for you to do anything. So teams are, if, if you tried as a team to throw a double team, this makes it much more difficult because who are you going to help off of? You have three other shooters on the court if Russell Westbrook has the ball or James Harden has the ball. So it's just really interesting to see um, how teams are reacting and what they can do now that Clint Capella was traded. You know, and so you mentioned, you know, James Harden and Russell Westbrook being great in isolation, which is absolutely true. But there's this kind of, you know, notion that Mike D'Antoni doesn't run plays, doesn't run an offense, which is absolutely far from the truth. So kind of keeping in line with, you know, the plays and whatnot, are there any plays that have, you know, maybe been retired now that Clint Capella isn't with the team or possibly any new wrinkles or variations with the additions of guys like Robert Covington, Damari Carroll, Jeff Green, or, you know, just because they're going small now, are there new wrinkles and, you know, new versions of these plays that are, you know, being used? I I think the biggest thing from the Rockets going small and especially with the addition of Jeff Green is when Jeff Green's running the offense with Russell Westbrook in that second unit, a lot of plays the Rockets run, there's a, there's a, there's a lot of different packages the Rockets have. Um, and if you are a Rockets fan and you want to learn more about the game, highly recommend YouTubing these plays and, and like typing the word I'm going to say with Rockets because I guarantee there's going to be a whole YouTube compilation of this. So I'll just list some of them out for you if you're a fan to kind of get check these out. Um, one of them is Spain. So if you look up Spain pick and roll and Rockets on YouTube, you'll find videos of that, and you'll be able to kind of see what I'm talking about. That's a play the Rockets love to run for Eric Gordon. It's with him setting a back screen for the rim roller, and then he pops out to the perimeter, and it kind of just messes up switches and all these things like that. So that's a play the Rockets um, are going to run a lot more when Eric comes back. Um, you have a play called Delay. It's very similar to 21 series. So if you go on YouTube again, you type in delay and rockets, you'll see these plays that I'm talking about. It'll make a lot more sense visually. Um, I think those two plays are two staples of the of what the rockets are doing, especially delay. Um, it's just because it creates opportunities for wings who are setting these screens now to be able to slip and create more miscommunication. Um, I, I really want to highlight Daniel House. I think Daniel House has been since they made the switch and since he's been starting. Um, He's been phenomenal, not just as a shooter, but I think as a screener. If you if you watch the game, and I, I, I'm, I think a lot of the fans who are listening to this, their next game they're going to watch on Saturday against the Boston Celtics. 
Um, when you watch that game, pay attention to Daniel House uh, when James Harden and Russell Westbrook have the ball. Look who's screening for James and Russ early in the shot clock. Look who's screening for them in different actions. It's usually Daniel House. He's been doing a great job of kind of setting his feet or slipping or kind of, you know, being in position, especially where James wants him to be. And, and I think that that's been such a key for this offense because, yes, they run plays like you talked about, but these plays are generally set up to create matchup advantages for James and Russ. And when they're trying to attack the weakest defender on the opposing team, having a guy like Daniel House who can set screens and who's definitely come a long way from doing that compared to last season, it's such a big weapon for your team. All right. And kind of to wrap up this segment, who do you view on this Rockets team as the biggest X factor right now? P.J. Tucker. I would say if you asked me this before the trade deadline, I would say Clint Capella. I really do think Clint Capella is that good of a player. And I, I definitely do think the Rockets will miss him in some individual, in some different matchups against playoff teams. But the small ball lineup does not work without P.J. Tucker. Um, he, I mean, I know everybody listening to this knows this, but he is the ultimate glue guy for this team. He's the key defensive player. He's the guy who, you know, fixes all the rotations when there's mistakes. He's the guy who knocks down that corner three at a high rate. He's the guy who knows exactly where he needs to be, where his teammates need to, needs to be. He's one of the vocal leaders on the team. And this small ball lineup is all predicated on him being the five. And if, if he's so important to what they do, especially on switches, because he can play the five, quote-unquote, even though the Rockets don't really like to use positions, he can play the five, but still be matched up on the best perimeter player for the opposing team. And when you can do that and you're going to switch everything like the Rockets do, there's no doubt in my mind that P.J. Tucker is the X-Factor for the Rockets. All right. Got a few more questions for Ali Khan here in just a moment. Coming up, we will talk to him about the playoff matchups here in the Western Conference, as well as maybe, you know, an area that he wants to give, you know, some attention to possibly in the Rockets organization, as well as his favorite teams that aren't the Rockets to watch. So we'll get to that in one second and be right back. And final segment here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. So, Ali Khan, we mentioned it at the end of the last segment, but kind of if you're looking at this current crop of playoff teams, who do you think the Rockets would have the easiest time against and who do you think poses the biggest threat to them as it stands right now? Oh, my God. That's the that's probably the, the most important question. Those are the hardest question to ask, I think. Um I, when it comes to this small ball team, um, I think the best way to describe this team is that they have a very low floor and they have a very high ceiling. Would, would that be fair to say? Absolutely. I, I'm in complete agreement with you. Yeah, and, and so when you look at all the matchups, okay, but let's go. You know, let's go through each playoff team besides the, the battle for the eight seed one on one. How about that, Jackson? I think that's a good idea. Yeah, sure thing. Um, you want to start at the top? Yeah, let's start at the top. So the Los Angeles Lakers. Now, we only have one matchup where we can kind of take away some information, right? That's when Anthony Davis was playing. They played in Los Angeles. It was the first game. Um, they kind of went to a really short rotation. All they did positives. Um, but I think the Lakers definitely learned some things that they're going to take away. Out of a lot of the teams in the Western Conference, the Lakers are, are a team with so much length that you can almost do certain things defensively that other smaller teams cannot do. And so if you are the Rockets, and I know this for a fact before the Clint Capella trade, one team that, you know, 
would have definitely given the Rockets trouble, and the Rockets definitely probably viewed them as one of the biggest, you know, challengers um, in terms of matchups uh, with the Lakers. And, and I, I think now they have, I think after this trade for Covington, they're much more well-equipped to take on the Lakers, as we saw after the trade, much more well-equipped to take on a team like the Bucks, who are so, uh, so long and so active defensively. Um, but I think it does, you know, still expose them to those teams um, this is because they're able to make certain rotations that other teams can't. You can try different types of defensive coverages other teams can't. I'll give you some examples. If you look at the way Toronto defended Giannis a few games ago, that is something we're going to see a lot of when it comes to Russell Westbrook in the playoffs. Teams are going to zone off passing lanes, and they're going to force Russ to be able to get past two guys who are camped around the lane. And that sounds easier said than done, but when you have a team that's so lengthy and active that you can play the passing lanes and also, you know, rotate and close out effectively, those wide open shots that the Rockets are getting six feet or more wide open are going to become this open or contested or slightly contested. And that does change your percentages awfully a lot, right, when you're doing the mathematical advantage the Rockets are trying to do. So I think the way the Lakers are going to do in the defensive strategy they're going to employ, I think that could definitely give the Rockets a lot of issues. Okay, and so kind of moving further down the list. So we've got the Nuggets, which unfortunately we won't see the Nuggets again in the regular season, which kind of sucks as far as being able to evaluate how small ball would fare against Nikola Jokic and the rest of that team. But I kind of think Jokic and Kristaps and Porzingis actually of the, you know, some of the bigs in the West, I kind of view those guys as maybe giving the Rockets some trouble. I don't know if I'm wrong in that assumption, but what do you think? No, Josh, I think you're absolutely right. You, you know, six... Porzingis is 7-3. I mean, when you look at the last matchup the Rockets had when they went small, and I'll be this still before the trade, um, he gave them problems. And when you are a big guy who can shoot the basketball like that, the Rockets don't really have an answer for you uh, unless they're taking you out of their spots and kind of forcing you to kind of be in situations where you're not comfortable in. And I think out of a lot of the bigs in the NBA um, who will struggle usually against a small ball team, Jokic, I think, would excel greatly. And so that's why I'm, I'm really bummed that the Rockets won't, we won't be able to see a Rockets-Denver matchup in the regular season. Um, but I really do feel like if the Rockets did play the Nuggets, Jokic would feast. He would show how good of a center he is. But that being said, defensively, that's where it becomes interesting. You're seeing a lot of Western Conference playoff teams, um, even some Eastern Conference playoff teams, play their center on Russell Westbrook. I think if you're the Nuggets, you're going to put Torrey Craig on Russell Westbrook. You're going to put Jokic on Turker, and you're going to be able to kind of defend in a way that other teams can't. So that creates matchup advantage and disadvantage in itself for the Rockets. So that would be a very interesting series. I think before the Capella trade, if Capella was fully healthy, the Rockets would, I, I would pick the Rockets to win that series and, you know, be relatively in, not as tough as another other series. But now I think it's going to be, if the Rockets did play the Nuggets, it'd be a pretty close series. Okay. And then very next on the list, we've got. The L.A. Clippers with, you know, some beloved ex-Rockets. What are your thoughts there? You know, there's a whole thing on Twitter about that the Clippers are better at small ball than the Rockets. I don't think so. I don't know about that. I really do think the Rockets and the Clippers... There's no mistake that the Rockets and the Clippers always match up well against each other. But it's also interesting to see how well the Rockets have done this season and last season against a team that has two all-world defenders on there. And now, yes, you can put Kawhi and P.J. on James and Russ, but the way it's going, you, the Rockets have enough, they're going to have two, one or two additional ball handlers on the court in Austin Rivers and Eric Gordon. 
And the Rockets trust those guys to be able to create off the dribble for others, for themselves, and score around the rim. So I do think it's going to be a very, you know, very good offensive series if that ever happened. But the way the Rockets switch defensively, I do give them the advantage over the Clippers because of that rim protection and just because of how they have looked defensively this season. Okay, and then we've got the CP3-led Oklahoma City Thunder. You know, if you, if you were to ask me, I, I think Tillman Fertitta made this comment. I'm paraphrasing, of course, so the full Rockets fans who don't like Tillman, you know, get angry at me. I'm paraphrasing. Um, but he uh, he said something along the lines of the Rockets could, Jackson, let me know if I'm correct on this, uh, that they could lose in the first round or they could still win the championship. Was, was that something that he said right, correct, I think? I believe Just so, yeah. The, the paraphrase, yeah, I believe so. Yeah. I, I think that if the Rockets can get past the first round against a team like the Thunder or a team like the, the Mavs, you know, that's going to be huge. I think I think that's going to be such a difficult matchup for the Rockets because those two teams have the offensive firepower to keep up with the Rockets, and that mathematical advantage won't be as distinct as it is with other teams. Other teams have bigs, so the Rockets will invite inside to post. And when that happens, that's when the Rockets kind of rotate their switch defense and kind of force turnovers, play the passing lanes, which is why they've been able to average so many forced turnovers this season or since the trade. Um, but when you play a team like the Mavs and the Thunder, who already go small as it is and can be able to space the 4-2 and attack and do all these different things, it makes it so much more difficult for the Rockets to kind of be able to put, you know, have that advantage. So it'd be very close. It'd be a very close series. I think the Rockets ultimately have much more depth and better talent overall. But I do think that though, that first-round series would not be a series I'd say would be a sweep. It would probably be a six, and I wouldn't be surprised to see a seven-game series if the Rockets have to play one of those two teams. Okay, well, you know, kind of, we've already talked about the Mavericks a little bit, so I won't dive into them, and I'm just going to do everybody a favor, and I'm just going to kind of uh, skip over the Utah Jazz. Is that fair? I'm really not that worried about them. Man, you know, I I, I, I was one person in Rockets Twitter probably before the season who said that the Utah Jazz would be the, you know, the second seed or first seed or one of the favorites in the Western Conference, and man, what has happened over these last few weeks has been really discouraging for those picks. Um, you know, I don't know what's going on. Um, and especially against the Rockets, I think this Jazz team can, you know, really, I, I think the Jazz team can beat the Rockets. There's a reason why they went out and got Boyan Bogdanovich. There's a reason why they went out and got Mike Conley. Two guys that you can't technically leave off of on, def- on, on defense. And the way the Rockets were able to beat the Jazz, yes, you know, the Jazz had a, a lot of wide-open threes in, that, in those two playoff series. But there's also a reason why they had those wide-open threes. You know, does that make sense? Like, they're obviously leaving shooters to be open. And so the Jazz are trying to be able to plug those holes in. And it still hasn't been successful. Um, you know, that, that game winner uh, that Bogdanovich had was fantastic. That was an amazing game. But that last game that the Rockets beat the Jazz, especially in that third-quarter run, it was t- very telling that the way that the Jazz are want to play with Gobert in the game, and then the fact that they, they have they don't start Royce O'Neal and they don't have a small ball center that they can effectively trust is a big issue. I think that's where they miss Derek Favors the most. Okay, and you know I kind of you know it's funny that you say that about the Jazz that you picked them to be one of the you know. T- 
top seeds in the West because I actually came in and I I didn't buy it. I didn't, you know, even with the additions of Conley and Bogdanovich, I didn't buy them as a true contender or, you know, even a top seed in the Western Conference. And so then when they hit their win streak and they started kind of surging, I was concerned that my pick would be wrong. And then suddenly they're on this four game losing streak. They fall into the sixth seed. They're just a half game ahead of the Mavericks for the seventh seed. So I'm, I'm kind of feeling a little bit of vindication seeing, you know, the Jazz kind of implode. Plus, hey, it's the, it's the Utah Jazz. It's kind of nice watching them implode a little bit, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, if you're a Rockets fan, it's probably a very good thing to do. Well, well, yeah, I'm 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 gonna yeah, I'll hold on to the to the happiness there for the both of us. But anyways, you know, moving into you know, because I want to get this thing wrapped up, but I got a couple more questions for you. And I know you gave some praise to Daniel House earlier, but is there maybe one area that you wish Rockets fans would, you know, give a little bit more attention to or credit to, be it, you know, a player or a coach or maybe even something else entirely? Yeah, you know, the Rock- Rockets fans, you know, they've been in my mentions all season about D'Antoni and the way he's been managing or all these things. And, you know, it's understandable at times. I've you know definitely asked Coach a few questions about, um, minutes or things like that, but I, I definitely do think that Coach D'Antoni has done a great job, um, especially kind of navigating through injuries, um, navigating through all that's you know been thrown at him, all that you know, um, you know he's been he's been doing such a great job, especially after this trade. If you watch the games and you look at the adjustments that he, Coach Gunning, uh, you know Coach Turner, Coach Blase, John Lucas, all these guys are doing, um, has been very effective. Um, and I just, you know, take a look at these playoff games they've played. I mean, playoff teams they've played. Those games in the second half have turned around because of adjustments Coach Antoni and the staff have made. Whether it's going to a different lineup, whether it's going to specific changes in the rotation, um, with the second unit, whether it's just making subtle movements or changes with the way that James and Russ are handling the ball or kind of getting going from what's on the floor. These small changes and counters are things that are going to help the Rockets in the postseason. And if you're a Rockets fan, I really hope that you're starting to appreciate how good of a coach D'Antoni is. I know a lot of us talk about it, um, but he gets so much out of his players. Every player I ask about Coach D'Antoni, they only have good things to say. They always respect him. They think that he gives them a lot of confidence to be able to do what they do. Um, and and I think you're seeing that, especially these, over the last 11 games where they've been playing lights out. You know, D'Antoni's been widely regarded as an offensive coach for pretty much the entirety of his career. Do you think it's almost more fair to almost call him a player's coach in a way? I, I think I think he is a player's coach in that he does give his players the opportunity to make decisions. He does trust them. And I think that trust and confidence that he instills in his players do go a long way. Um, and, you know, you have to have a balance, right? Um, the one thing I've learned about NBA, NBA coaches is that it's such a challenging job because you have to be able to find that perfect equilibrium in your team between the superstars, between the role players, everybody buying into the same goal. And it's not as easy as it sounds. And I think in terms of what Coach D'Antoni has done these last four seasons, he's done as well as you can possibly expect um, as a Hall of Fame coach. All right. And final question before we get you out of here, man. So, you know, we've talked at length now about the Rockets, but this isn't solely a Rockets pod. We do cover the NBA at large. So who is your favorite non-Rockets team to watch? And maybe who is your favorite non-Rockets player to watch? I love League Pass, man. I I, I will say I watch League Pass all the time. Um, You know, outside of of basketball, I mean, outside of covering the Rockets, probably uh, one of my favorite activities to do. I have a lot of favorite teams that I enjoy watching. There's just so many great teams in our league, so many great players. The talent's unbelievable. Um, but 
I'll be honest with you, I can't, you know, uh, I don't know if a lot of people know know this about me, but I really like the Memphis Grizzlies. Um, and this isn't just this season, this has been something, um, you know, growing up, I really love the green grind era. Um, Mark Gasol and Zebo, two bigs who can post up, two bigs who can pass, operate in the high post. I just love watching their offense with Lionel Hollins and then Dave Yeager. Um, it was just a lot of fun for me defensively as well, Tony Allen, um, Tayshaun Prince, uh, those teams in the late 2000s. I mean, but they gave they gave some of those Western Conference elite teams a run for their money. Um, and so for me, it's, you know, love watching Memphis play. Uh, it's great. In terms of a player, ooh, it's really tough. I think there's so many great players around the league. Um, I'll give you two players I enjoy watching. Um, one is probably LeBron James, just because being able to witness him in person, and if you haven't been able to watch him, I know, um, it's hard to just because of tickets and things like that. But even on TV, you're able to see the kind of court vision he has, his playmaking, his passing. I mean, it's unbelievable. He's such a terrific talent. And, um, you know, just being able to enjoy him uh, as he, you know, winds down his career is great. And another guy, I mean, I, I absolutely love watching Chris Paul just because his decision-making and pick-and-roll um, I think that, you know, when when he retires and people look back on his career, you're going to see that not only is one of the best pick and, I mean, point guards of all time, but he's one of the best, you know, pick and roll players and just decision makers and all around players in the league. I mean, he was so terrific with the Clippers. He was terrific here in Houston. Um, he's been terrific in Oklahoma City. He's just such a smart basketball player that, you know, you enjoy watching the way he's able to orchestrate a team. I think when the best, you know, analogy I can get for Chris Paul is like he is that conductor for a symphony the way he's able to kind of get people in the right position get people in the right notes I mean it's just phenomenal and, and so it's so much fun watching Chris Paul play um, and that's why we've been the biggest um, you know change for me this season is you know got, getting so used to watching Chris Paul with the Rockets now that he's in Oklahoma City I still have to make sure I watch you know Oklahoma City basketball because I mean you can never you know go wrong with watching enough Chris Paul all right, Ali Khan. I think that's where we'll wrap things up for today. And I sincerely appreciate you taking the time to be here with us, man. No, I enjoy. I, I, I hope I hope you'll have me on as we you know headed to the playoffs and things like that. Always have time uh, for lockdown. Lockdown has given me a lot of lot of love in the past, and so I'm happy to be on here. Absolutely, anytime. You're welcome to come back on here. We'd love to have you again. And before we get you out of here, you go ahead and let us know where we can find all your content. Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at rockets underscore insider. Um, and you can also find my content at The Athletic. Uh, me and Kelly um, have a lot of stuff going on. Kelly's been, I mean, if you haven't read what Kelly's put out this week, highly, highly, highly recommend you do so. He's written three pieces in three days, um, pretty much. I mean, he's, he's been on fire, and they're all really good, really insightful. Um, I'm having um, a piece coming out soon, um, and so look, looking forward to that. Um, but now you can follow me there. You can follow me on The Athletic, and, you know, stay tuned as we head into the postseason. All right, again, thanks for your time today. Thank you. One more time for Ali Kambijani of The Athletic. So happy that he was able to join me on today's show. So I think that's where we will end things. As always, thank you all so very much for listening, and we look forward to having you back here very soon at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball.